authenticity is not something we have or don't have. It's a practice, a conscious choice of how we want to live. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, and the choice to let our true selves be seen. Hi there, and welcome to the Pondering Dam podcast, where we talk all things teaching, education, pedagogy, and technology. I'm your host, Danny Summerall, and if you're new to the show, make sure you leave a review and share with your peers. Connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at PonderingDan, as well as at PonderingDan.com. On today's show, I'll be talking with Karen Caswell about authenticity in education, what that means, and why it's important. Karen is a grade four teacher, collegial coach, and beginning teacher mentor at a public primary school on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. She has spent most of her career teaching preschool prep and grade one and recently moved into teaching years three and four. She's also worked as a learning support teacher, special education teacher in charge, instructional coach and head of curriculum. Karen is also the founder and host of the weekly Twitter chat, Teach Like a Pirate Down Under. You can find Karen on Twitter at kcasww one and on her website, karencaswell.com. Those details will be in the description of this episode. So hi, Karen. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm great. How are you? Good, thank you. Happy That's New good. Year. Yeah, you too. It's gone fast, hasn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm really happy to have you on the show today because I've been a part of the Teach Like a Pirate Down Under um, chats in the past and I've always really enjoyed them. I don't get on them as much as I used to, but I still speak very highly of them and recommend other people give them a go as well. And um, I was you. lucky enough to meet you um, just a few months ago at the Eye on the Future 6 conference at Bonora Point as well, which was great. It is. It's always good to meet uh, virtual friends in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really good. It's um, And it's not weird anymore. You know, for a no. while it was weird when you'd meet people live in person, but now it's sort of, you know, you bump into these people everywhere, don't you? Yeah. 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 So we might get started just talking a little bit about um, Teach Like a Pirate Down Under, which for those of you used to Twitter, you would search that with hashtag TLAP Down Under. So tell us about it. Um, okay. So it all started after in 2018, I read the book Teach Like a Pirate, written by Dave Burgess. Um, it had been his that book had been out for a number of years before I sort of heard about it um, I heard about it through joining Twitter um, and so the book really resonated with me um, you know had a really big impact on my teaching and um, I guess reigniting the passion that I have for teaching um, it had come after a time of um, I'd had some leave from from work uh, I guess I'd been a bit disillusioned, um, wasn't quite sure of, you know, where I was at in my career, um, what I wanted to do. And through reading that book, getting started on Twitter, um, it really had a, a big impact, um, as I said, on my passion for, for being a teacher. So I read the book, um, was active, started to get more active on Twitter. And during the September school holidays, I joined in the TLAP chat in America. Um, obviously during school time for us, it's really hard to join in because it's the middle of the day. But during the school holidays, joined into that Twitter chat, hadn't been, hadn't participated in a Twitter chat before, so I didn't really know what it was all about. Um, so I joined into that, really enjoyed it. Um, and I sort of had the idea of why not starting one here? 
uh, in Australia because uh, obviously times make it tricky for us to join in the TLAP chat. Um, it started out as a book study, so more about going through the different aspects of the book, what the pirate acronym stands for and all of that, and then just pretty much continued from there. So that was probably the first three months was the book study chat or two months maybe. Okay. And, um, and then for the last, so for all of last year and we've just started back up again this year, um, it's just uh, morphed into a, I guess, a regular, um, a regular time chat, um, still bringing in aspects of, you know, teaching like a pirate, um, but also the, just general education, um, issues in education, and just different ways that we can be the best teachers that we can be. Yeah, it's I I like it because it's never focused on one particular thing. You know, it's not just about educational technology, but it focuses a lot on what I think is you know the well-being side of things as a teacher. And I think they're important things that we should be discussing and. You know, finding mm. ways that we can overcome issues that we've got. You know, yeah, and I mean, the topics are wide and varied because I also have um, been lucky enough to have lots of guests hosts as well. So often, you know, um, they sort of say, what, should, what do you want me to talk about? And I'm like, whatever you want to talk about, what are yeah. you passionate about? Um, you know, I'm really trying to amplify other people's voices as well. And, you know, through being exposed to other people's passions, it makes us better um, in the job that we do. Um, have been lucky enough to have a number of the Dave Burgess Consulting authors host chats as well yeah. um, around obviously their books um, and then lots of amazing educators, Australian educators, um, a couple of other international educators in Asia um, who've, hosted, uh, who've hosted the chat as well. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about it is our wide audience. So we don't just have participants from Australia. And I think this is really something different to the um, US TLAP chat is that I've been able to connect people from different countries, different regions due to the times that we have it. Um, so, you know, we have participants from Asia, South America, uh, Europe, mm. because obviously the times for them is more convenient than, you know, works out that they're able to join in. So I'm really, that really excites me that, you know, we have such a wide ranging audience. Yeah. And it creates a big impact as mm. well. Yeah. I think I hosted one last year, was it? Um, talking yeah. a bit about the fish philosophy. And I remember when I reached out to you, Karen, what do you want me to talk about? And you did, you yeah. said, whatever you want. And I think if you know, if you've been part of the chats before and you know a little bit about it, you kind of work out what you should or where you should go to talk yeah. about. And, you know, I talked about, I think it was the fish philosophy, which is a, you know, a philosophy that we use at, at the school I work at. And, you know, that relates to having fun at work and being there for your colleagues. And, you know, I thought that fitted in with the, the teach like a pirate sort of, you know, genre, I suppose. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I got a lot out of that, just talking to other people about what they think and they don't need to know anything about this stuff. They just need to have life experience really, don't mm. they? Yeah. And that's a really good thing about, I guess, Twitter chats in general is you don't need to know it. The whole purpose of it for me is it's a learning experience. So, yeah. you know, you're being asked questions, prompting you to think and reflect about things that you may not yeah. Um, consider otherwise and you know anything we do like that just can obviously increases our value uh, in our profession 
Yeah, absolutely. And for those that haven't really been part of Twitter chats before, I'm going to link some really good information from another educator, Craig Kemp, um, on how to get started with Twitter chats in the in the description to the podcast as well. So how can how can listeners be part of the conversation? Okay, so if you jump onto Twitter on a Sunday night, um, search for the TLAP down under hashtag, um, and then you should see any tweets that have used that hashtag, um, and you'll see the host um, tweeting out their questions. I'll retweet the questions as well. So if um, if it's tricky, otherwise you can make sure that you're following me. Um, and then you you read through the questions, you respond, include the hashtag. Everyone else can see your responses. People can have some side conversations or you know comment on other people's um, answers as well as just the um, just the questions that the host posts. The thing that I also like, I guess, is a lot of the chats are um, a lot of chats on Twitter are an hour. Uh, ours is just half an hour, so it doesn't act, take up too much time of your Sunday evening. Um, but you know, it, it's still a really good opportunity. It's short and sharp. Get you know, gets to the point, gets you thinking. Um, and I find that it sets me up, I guess, in a positive way for the for the week ahead. Yeah, and I guess if you can't be part of the live conversation on the Sunday nights, you can always join in another time, and you know, you leave comments, and people still reply at different times yeah. of the week. Yeah, that's right. So they're on 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or during Daylight Savings, it's Australian 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So um, I guess depending on where you are in the world, as long as you look for that 8 p.m. either Daylight Time Australia or <laughs> Eastern Standard Time when Daylight Savings is finished, it's like you said, when we were talking before, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? <laughs> it can be. At least it's yeah. six months, six months. Once you know yeah. when the time changes, <laughs> times when daylight saving changes, then you know yeah. that it's always going to be that yeah. time. <laughs> and if you follow Karen on Twitter, you'll see her posts advertising them anyway. So, yeah, just keep, just follow Karen on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so on your website, um, you talk about being passionate about authenticity in education. So I guess. What, what does that really mean? Okay, so I guess the dictionary definition of authentic is of undisputed origin, not a copy, to be genuine. Okay. Um, so to me, being authentic in education is being true to yourself, uh, nurturing our students and encouraging them to be their true selves um, and respecting our colleagues for who they truly are as well. Um, to quote Brené Brown, who I've read a lot and love. Yeah. If you follow me, you'll yeah. know. <laughs> um, authenticity is not something we have or don't have. It's a practice, a conscious choice of how we want to live. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, and the choice to let our true selves be seen. So there's probably, I mean, there's a lot in there. Um, if you look up her, you'll find that quote. Yeah, um, she's very popular at the around, moment. Yeah, and you'll mm. see that quote a lot. Um, I guess the biggest part of that for me is to let our true selves be seen. Um, for, for whatever reasons, people have their armour um, and they tend to hide parts of themselves. Um, and I guess it's having the courage, you know, to be who you truly are and let others see who you are, but I do break it down, I guess, into three aspects um, for me to make it, to get some clarity around, you know, 
um, I guess my vision is um, authentic self is is that part of it being your true self. And for me, that I I need to be my authentic self in order to be happy or healthy. Um, and you know, want other people to to do that as well. So to support and encourage other people, um, for people to speak up, speak out, and speak their truth, um, and to uh, want to amplify other people's voices. So authentic learning. As educators, we know that we learn more when what we're learning is of interest and relevance to our lives. Um, if we have a choice in the learning that we do, so obviously it's really important to then offer that to our students as well. We don't just want them being com compliant. You know, I want my kids to want to learn um, and to be getting the most out of every day. So it's providing those authentic learning opportunities um, and that their learning is real and relevant to them. I've been um, lucky enough to have gone to a Trevor McKenzie conference. Yeah. Um, he came to our school last year. And so a lot of the, uh, I'm sort of really trying to get into the more the inquiry-based learning to make this, the, the um, students learning relevant and real and authentic to them because it's, it's guided by, you know, their interests, their passions, their curiosities, um, pr pr promoting them or provoking them to think. I guess mm. as well and, and to want to know more about something. Um, and then authentic relationships. So one of my favourite TED Talks um, by Rita Pearson. Um, if I just wrote her name down actually when you were I talking before. I think most people would know that one <laughs> yeah. about every, every child needs a champion. But in her TED Talk she said kids don't learn from people they don't like. Um, and we know that, I'm sure, as educators, we've all experienced that, unfortunately. Um, and she also quotes James Comer, who says that no significant learning can, um, can occur without a significant relationship. So I guess we can all remember a teacher that, you know, has had an impact on our lives. Um, mine, unfortunately, was a negative, the teacher of a, that who had a negative impact on my life. Um, it wasn't anything she overtly did to me like in person singling me out um but i just got the sense she didn't like me um felt like she didn't want to be there she didn't like teaching mm. um you know and i guess at that particular year it was grade five um that was my worst year ever academically okay. um i didn't really see the point because it was like mm, she don't mm. care so <laughs> yeah. um, for what's the point and i mean i guess i was old enough in a sense to un to sort of realize that it didn't matter as much so much if my teacher liked me or not you know we should still want to do well um, but I didn't have the maturity to draw on that inner motivation or drive um, so I guess you know remembering that and I know a lot of people will be able to tell you the name of a teacher you know who had a positive impact on their lives and, and changed their lives and we hear and see those those stories all the time so I guess I'm committed to developing those authentic relationships with my students, yeah. my colleagues and all people that I serve. Yeah, no, that's great. What, um, what sort of parked that, what, what sparked that um, passion um, to talk more about this authenticity? Um, it probably came more from my own personal life. Um, I've struggled with self-worth most of my life. Um, as a people pleaser, I often put aside what I felt or wanted or needed um, and allowed somebody else's needs or wants to take precedence. Um, I guess I've tried to fit the mould, the mold, mm. um, you know, in some way or another 
for my entire life. I was trying to be the perfect daughter, the perfect student, the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect woman, perfect teacher. Mm. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, I came to the realisation, um, you know, I guess the glaring question is who created the mould? Is there even a mould? What is the mould? You know, I know society plays a huge part in in the mould. Our family dynamics and our formative years also have a big influence. But I think it's mainly our inherent need to feel a sense of belonging um, that drives us to conform or fit a mould. You know, everyone needs to feel they belong. Um, And often people feel that, in order to belong, they need to comply to a list or set of norms or standards. Um, you know, we need to look a particular way, behave a particular way, um, you know, achieve certain things. Um, but I guess there's nothing more empowering than realising that there is no mould. Yeah, and <laughs> um, there's no such know. thing as perfect, is there? No, that's right. And that's, <laughs> I guess, I was going to say, that's the other thing. You know, if we quickly circle back to that list of, things that I felt I had to do, the, the key word in all of those is perfect. Um, mm. And, you know, that's a big lesson that I've had to learn is there is no such thing as perfectionism. Um, mm. It has been my strongest armour, I guess, for my life is, you know, I felt I had to be perfect in order to be worthy, um, in order to uh, for others to see my value. Yeah. Um, but we know that it doesn't exist and, you know, trying to achieve it trying to achieve it is um you know it's it's really unhealthy it's yeah but you know it took me nearly 45 years to learn that lesson so um yeah I, I think um just not just teachers but everyone sort of goes through that sense of hmm. feeling that they're trying really hard and they're not fitting in and you know what does perfect look like and you know I think I know for me I've gone through the same sort of thoughts before. And I think that's probably why I found such a, um, a good group of people to interact with on Twitter, because sometimes, you know, you can go to a school and you can have all these passions and interests and, and it can be really hard when other people don't share those with you. So I guess we're lucky these days in that, you know, thanks to social media, we can find people that, Mm you know, align with our values and our beliefs and, you know, what we're interested in and, you know, it's how we connected. I mean, we have those common interests, which is really good. Yeah. And, and I think that's why, you know, going back to the Twitter chat as well, it's important that people seek other avenues. They're not, they're not, not exclusive to one place anymore. You know, mm, we can find yeah. these people elsewhere and they can help you come to those realizations that, okay, I don't need to be perfect but I can talk to these people if I need to because we have similar thoughts, similar beliefs. So, Yeah, yeah. that's right. And I guess the other thing, it, you know, I, it led me to wonder what are the moulds we're expecting our students to fit as well. Yeah. You know, so we've been through that experience as adults. Um, you know, so I guess when it comes to misbehaviour, do we see that students are being difficult, you know, or that they're having difficulties or do we see defiance? Um, do we expect compliance or do we celebrate creativity? Um, you know, do we want student engagement or do we encourage empowerment? So there's all these sorts of questions that it raised, you know, do we promote uniformity or diversity? Um, you know, and is it, do we value achievement or improvement? Like it really just started getting me thinking, um, you know, what are some of the things that, that we're expecting 
of our students, um, are we providing an environment for them where they can be their authentic selves mm. as well? Are we responding to them? How are we responding to them? From what lens are we looking at them through? Mm. Um, and, and how does that you know, impact their yeah. um, experience at school? So. I think it forces you to think about, well, why are we doing what we're doing? And why are our students here? What, what do we want from them? You know, you know, you don't want them just to get 10 out of 10 on a test. You want them to want to come to school. You want, you want to inspire them to learn. And, you know, again, going back to um, Rita Pearson, you know, if those students don't like you, they're not going to want to learn from you at no. all. So you're yeah. doing a disservice to you and to your students. So um, we could talk about this till we're blue in the face, really, couldn't we? We could. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was looking at your blog posts, um, which are really great, by the way, you talk a lot about having a vision, which you've talked a little bit about, and having empathy, um, kindness, and you talk a lot about mental health as well. And they're all very vulnerable things to talk about. Why do you think it's important that we as teachers are talking about these things? Well, I could talk about each of those things in great depth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll try to, to summarise or give a bit of a sap, snapshot. Um, I'm fairly open now about the struggles that I've faced or that I continue to face, um, one of which is that I suffer from depression uh, and anxiety. Um, you know, it, it has been quite bad. I, I've had to take, um, I think, one stage I was eight weeks off school. Um, mm. You know, and initially I ignored the many signs that said I was unwell. And, you know, people, I ignored them for a variety of reasons, sense of responsibility, denial, fear, guilt. Um, but most of all, it was shame. And it's really the, I guess, the stigma attached to mental illness mm. that um, is why I feel it's important that we talk about it, everybody, not, but especially us as educators, um, talk about it. Um, so obviously starting with the mental health, like we can all agree the statistics are frightening. When you look up the mental, like look up Beyond Blue, look up the mental health statistics in Australia, they are truly frightening. Um, there's one in four young people experience a mental health condition. We know anxiety, like we see this in our classrooms day in, day out. The number of young kids with anxiety is increasing. Um, and suicide is the leading cause of death for Australians aged 15 to 14. Wow. So our teenagers, um, you know, they're suffering. Um, you know, and all of that, obviously that has a huge impact on, it as, on us as educators, but not only our students, occupations that are, one of the occupations that is most at risk of a mental health condition are teachers as mm. well. Um, you know, so it's about supporting our students, supporting our teachers. Um, you know, because we are so at risk. And I guess the thing is, when you really start to think about that, it's we've got to ask the question, why are people still so reluctant to talk about mental health? And yeah. again, I think it really does come back to that society's misconceptions about mental health and mm. the stigma that is attached to mental yeah. health. Um, it's also a difficult... Um, people don't know what to do either, you know, when faced with someone who who is suffering. Um, so we really need, I guess, you know, for that education, for it to be more open, people, so that people will seek help. Um, they won't suffer in silence. 
So I think everyone has a role to play in creating a mentally healthy community. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend only yesterday about this um, exact topic with mental health. And um, I was saying how that, you know, we've come to a point where the stigma is a lot less, but it's still not at a perfect point. There still is that stigma there. But what, what we talked about was how young people now, especially teenagers are talking about this a lot and they're very open with it. So I feel like there really is a light at the end of the tunnel where Mm. it's really discussed, but then it also goes back to, you know, why it's so important that we are authentic as educators because that opens doors for people to express themselves to you. So Mm. if you've got that student that is suffering depression or anxiety, they're more likely to come and talk to you. You're more likely to be able to support them. And even if that's just by listening, you know, that's, you know, really that's a lot of what people want when they are suffering those things. They just want someone to Mm. hear them. Yeah, they don't necessarily want someone to offer a solution. They just want to be heard. Um, But I think it's a pretty powerful thing and it's great that we're talking about it. I'm really happy um, that you've discussed it and you've been really vulnerable as well to talk about your own experiences. And I think a lot of people can really relate to that, especially as teachers, um, Mm. you know. And yeah, I mean, it took a lot to get to that point as well. Um, Mm. You know, and it, it is hard because... Yes, the stigma is less, and, and, and certainly in young people, as you say, but I still think, you know, older people are a certain generation. You know, that, that's just the way that, well, I was brought up and older people mm. were brought up. Um, so there can be that still that, uh, I guess, the way people respond when they hear that those are the things yeah. um, that you've been through. Um, people don't respond those ways of physical illnesses or you know but but we're getting there and as you say we are mm. you know we are making progress so yeah that's, yeah you're that's right really important. and i think um, i guess oh go. sorry no you go no, you go <laughs> i was just gonna say for anyone out there that is um you know suffering with um, issues of anxiety or depression or they even just want to find out more about this sort of stuff you can go to uh, beyondblue.org.au and they have some really great information um, and I guess supporting ideas for you to deal with those mm. things as well. And I know you've talked a lot about it on your website too. Yeah. And I mean, you can always call Lifeline as Absolutely. well if you're, you know, if you're um, feeling really overwhelmed. Yeah. I'll put those links in the description too, because I think that's important to share that. Mm. Um, okay. So moving on to empathy and kindness. So empathy is um, one of our five emotional intelligences and it's probably one of the most important social skills um, as a child or anyone can learn. Um, you know, to, the ability to recognise how people feel is important to success in our lives. Uh, but more importantly, it's a necessary skill to have in order to make a meaningful contribution to the world. Um, so, uh, um, so it's really important that, you know, we provide that with our with our students to our students we teach them that it's not something some people i guess it, it is a bit more um inherent and it's more a part of them um but other people not so much but it can be taught um and the benefits of teaching empathy in the classroom is a positive classroom culture um, and strengthening the community and then students learn to understand one another and build friendships based on trust yeah um, so it's really important that we can 
understand other people and how they're feeling and um you know and it's not feeling it along with them we may not know like we're not may not be able to we may not have the experience to actually know how they're feeling but mm. it's recognizing that they're feeling you know that they're feeling that way or what it is that they're feeling and acknowledging that you know that's um would be very difficult for them to be feeling that way um, with kindness we know there are many benefits for both the giver and the receiver um, we become happier by making other people happy um, and there's scientifically proven benefits to being um, kind as well so it's not just a warm fuzzy feeling there is actually science behind it and it's important that we teach students how to show kindness to others I guess the reason that empathy and kindness are such big focuses for me um, so I'm passionate about raising kind caring and active young people I believe that we need to be able to advocate you know they need to be able to advocate for themselves they need to be able to champion others and make a positive impact on the world I think I have a really strong sense of responsibility um, you know to try to create a better future for our mm. children and just imagine you know what the world can be if we all just had a little bit of empathy and showed each other kindness mm, it's really wonderful. not that hard yeah it's really mm. not that hard at the end of the day <laughs> no if kindness costs nothing mm. that's what i've always been taught and you know it's still sort of a motto i live by you know mm. if you see if you make eye contact with someone when you're walking it doesn't hurt to say hello they might not say mm. it back but they might feel good that someone took the time yeah, to talk to them that's so, right you never know the impact yeah. that you're having yeah so before we wrap up, Karen, I just wanted to see if you had any advice uh, for teachers if, if they wanted to explore ways that they could be more authentic in their classroom or in education in general or just in their personal um, life, I suppose. Yeah, I guess, you know, you need to start with knowing yourself. Um, you know, obviously you can't be authentic if you don't really know who you are. Um, acknowledging the armour that you may be carrying or... Mm the self-protection uh, methods that you may be using um, and be able to recognise when you're using them as well. I mean, mm. you know, it's human nature, um, a lot of the things we do, but it's, I guess it's recognising when you're doing it and maybe trying something different instead. Um, you know, and it's knowing, I guess, within yourself, your strengths and your weaknesses Mm. Um, and I was intentionally working towards the type of person you want to be. Um, I recommend reading Brene Brown <laughs> or listening to her, listening to her audio books. So a lot of her, a lot of it I've listened to, haven't necessarily read, um, her Netflix special, her Ted talk. Um, it's really very helpful in helping you understand, but also helping you realize that lots of people you know, feel the way that you feel. Lots of people go through things, yeah. um, you know. So I guess it really needs to start with that. You know, you really need to know who you are um, as a person. You need to know your values, you know, what is important to you. What are the values that you're going to live by? Um, often when we're feeling, when things don't feel right with us, it's usually because we're not, living within our values um, or there's something happening or we're being we're in a situation where we're having to go against our values so it's really important to know what your values are 
And I think as an educator, to have a vision, what is it? Why are you? Why do you go into your classroom every day? Or, you know, why do you go to school if you're in a leadership position? What is it you want to achieve? What drives you? What's your passion? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, um, yeah. You, you need to have, you need to know what, yeah, why are you doing the things that you do? Yeah. Uh, there's some really good advice there. <laughs> so thanks so much, Karen, for being part of the show today. I'm really happy Thank that you. we've had this chat. Um, again, you can find Karen on Twitter. Her handle is at KCASW and the number one. So KCASW1 and on her website, KarenCaswell.com. And if you'd like to be part of the Teach Like a Pirate Down Under conversation there every Sunday night, you just have to search for the hashtag TLAP Down Under. Um, at the moment, they're 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Once Daylight Savings is finished, it's Australian 8 o'clock Australian Eastern Standard Time all year round. Um, and like I mentioned before, if you're new to Twitter and Twitter chats, I'll post some useful inf information for you in the description of this episode. And finally, if you have any questions for Karen or myself about today's episode, or if you think you'd like to be part of the podcast, drop me a line at dan at ponderingdan.com. Any questions that you have for Karen, I'm more than happy to pass them on to her as well. So thank you again, Karen. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I enjoyed worries. having the conversation. Yeah, thank you. And so have I. And hopefully our listeners have um, gained some useful insight from what you've shared today. So thank you very much. Um, so that's all for this episode. Until next time, I'm Danny. We'll chat to you soon. Bye.